Hello, and welcome to Covered in Credits, the bi-weekly podcast where we discuss books and their movie adaptations. I'm Ian George. And I'm Adina Hilton. In this episode, we'll be discussing The Handmaid's Tale. So a quick side note before we start, uh, for this episode, we're going to do a small promotional thing where if you share the episode from our Facebook page... Or on Twitter. or Yeah, or retweet it on Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, you'll be eligible have the chance you'll to be entered into a drawing <laughs> an amazing for drawing a copy of the handmaid's tale and yes. don't worry it's the awesome cover it's not some weird tv show tying cover it's not a glossy cover with elizabeth moss's face no it's the no. classic one so share our episode on facebook or on twitter and you'll have a chance to win yeah I think it'll be a pretty light episode. Oh, yeah. There's not much to discuss at all. <laughs> it's just, you know, light topics like the end of civilization. As we know it. The patriarchy. The patriarchy. Rape. You know, <laughs> just a sprinkling of these light topics. Yeah. A little bit about the book. Um, it was written by Margaret Atwood and published in 1986. Mm-hmm. And the uh, show is a on Hulu uh, starring Elizabeth Moss and the showrunner is Bruce Miller. Uh, and it just came out this year, 2017. 2017. Yep. Oh my! And both are just so freaking good. Yeah, amazing. So a little bit. Um, I actually something that's interesting is I listened to this book on audiobook, mm-hmm. and it was the first time I listened to a fictional novel on audiobook. Yeah. I've listened to a lot of nonfiction stuff, but never like a, a fictional novel. It was interesting. It was good. Yeah. You liked it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Audible had like a special edition mm-hmm. uh, that was read by Claire Danes and she did a really good job and it, it was good. I liked it. That's awesome. So it's kind of a different way to experience the story. Yeah. So we have the book, we have the audiobook, and we have <laughs> the show to discuss. <laughs> Let's try to talk about all three without getting too confused. <laughs> Uh, so for the purposes of this podcast, we're going to refer to the main character as Offred. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, that's not her real name. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the book, we never find out her real name. No. Uh, in the show we do. So, but for consistency's sake, we, we're just going to refer to her as Offred. Yeah. Half of my notes refer to her as Offred. Half of them refer to her as June, which is what the TV show, uh, made her name to be. So... We'll probably get mixed up. We, we we're going to try to just call her Offred, even though that is not her real name and it's terrible. Yeah. And I feel bad every time I say it. But. Yeah. But it's interesting because the names in Gilead are um, based on the male the male commanders that they serve. So Offred, literally her commander's name is Fred. So she is of Fred. Yeah. And then there's some other women in there that are like of Glenn, of Daniel, of Warren, etc. I mean, in the long run, she kind of lucked out because Offred at least kind of sounds like a name. Like a name instead <laughs> of like Off Warren. Off Warren. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. So in the long run, you know, count yeah. your blessings. Yeah. Another thing I want to talk about, which is super interesting, is sort of the historical context in which the book was written. So this was published in 1986. And Margaret Atwood talks a lot about what inspired her and the things that were going on in the world when she wrote it. And this was after the feminist revolution of like the 60s and 70s. And this was kind of like the Republican conservative backlash against women's rights. This was also like the Reagan era where conservatives were like, yay, conservative everything. And so Margaret Atwood was sort of writing in response to that. Like what could happen if, you know, these religious groups and these conservative groups, you know, take women's rights away even further. Like, where could that go? 
Um, another thing that was really inspirational to her was uh, the USSR, because at that point, the Berlin Wall had not fallen yet. And, you know, the country of Germany was divided. And then a ton of Europe was divided, too. And she spent some time there and saw kind of the oppression, like people being killed, you know, spies, that whole thing going on. And she drew a lot of inspiration for that. Yeah, I think it's uh, worth noting that she tried to keep the uh, this uh, post-America uh, world yeah. as grounded as possible. She did. And that mm-hmm. all these kind of weird societal norms that come up were all loosely based on real things that have happened throughout history. Yeah. You know what I mean? She's famously said that she didn't make anything up for yeah. The Handmaid's <laughs> Tale, that everything that happens has happened somewhere and is happening right now, probably somewhere. So that's really cool. She's a great author. She does an amazing job. Yeah, her writing was so good. So good. Yeah, yeah, I just got wrapped up into it when I would listen to it in the car on audiobook. It was uh, it was really great. Mm-hmm. So uh, in this, so another thing we should preface is that the story uh, starts off with uh, Alfred uh, going to her commander. And meeting her new commander and his yeah. wife. So she's already in it. She's yeah. a handmaid. Like the the whole uprising, like, you know, end of society has kind of happened already. And mm-hmm. then a lot of the background is filled in as the story goes, both her personal background and what yeah. happened historically. Uh, but that's going to be a little tough to discuss in that way. So yeah. we're just going to go chronologically explain where Offred was as a person when uh, things went down and yeah. her past and then mm-hmm. just kind of go from there. Yeah. She spends a lot of time in her own head, kind of going back to the time before Gilead and her life before. Um, so we can go ahead and discuss that now then. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, she's just an average gal, yeah. you know, living in, in the, in the big city. <laughs> <laughs> this, I think it's supposed to take place in New England somewhere. Yeah. So they're, they're roughly... Near Boston. In New England, definitely. near Boston. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she, in the book, has a job that's kind of weird. I forget. Something with CDs or something like that. Oh, yeah. At a library. She's digitizing material. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in the, the show, it's similar. She works for like a publishing agency. Yeah. So both relating to reading, reading and, and literature, mm-hmm. which of course get taken away later. So it's real significant in that sense. Yeah. Um, Offred has a best friend, Moira, and they've known each other since college and they hang out all the time. They're really close. Uh, And she meets a guy, Mm -hmm. uh, Luke, who they start off. Luke is married. Yeah. And they start having an affair. Mm -hmm. And eventually Luke leaves his His wife wife Mm -hmm. and uh, marries Offred. Yeah. And then they have a child together. Yeah. They have a little girl, Hannah. And they talk about in the in the in the show they address that at this point when they have their daughter, fertility rates are dropping and mm-hmm. not very many people are having babies and there's a lot of birth defects and how like tough it is and things are changing in that sense. So we get a, we get a glimpse of that. There's a great flashback scene in the show where mm-hmm. they are at a at the hospital after she's just given birth. Yeah. And they go to the nursery room yeah. where they put Hannah down and there's no other babies. Mm-hmm. And the nurse kind of acknowledges, yeah, we had like two miscarriages and that was it for the past week. Yeah. And there's another part too where a woman tries to steal Alfred's baby. Yeah. And she's yeah. kind of hysterical. And there's a similar 
uh, story in the book too, where she's at a supermarket and someone snatches her baby and kind of showing the desperation of this time, you know, people can't have kids and that's making people crazy. Yeah. She does a really good job of kind of, uh, sprinkling the background with these, uh, stories of kind of these religious groups rising up in the book. She talks about them going to like a, a burning of magazines oh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. and kind of uh, pornographic materials and things like that. And, yeah. You know, it's kind of this background and this is such a weird comparison, but the thing I immediately connected it to was mm-hmm. the movie Shaun of the Dead. Oh yeah. When all the stuff is happening and he's just going along yeah, his day. Yeah. It's kind of him going about his life as the zombie apocalypse begins to happen yeah. and he's oblivious to it like up until the... as last minute when you possibly could be yeah uh but that's kind of where my mind went with it you know kind of this sprinkling through that you might think is normal at the time Mm -hmm. but then eventually becomes a problem yeah and so infertility is kind of the driving force that brings about this you know fall of the u.s and new regime taking over and calling themselves gilead and they they're religious uh, minded, their interpretation of the Bible is very strange, but it's somewhat religious minded. Mm-hmm. Um, and they kind of use this as power to get people onto their side. And it gets to the point where this uh, group gets a lot of momentum and there's some kind of a political assassination. The president and Congress are killed and I believe the military takes over after that. It's sort of confusing how it all comes about. Um, but in a good way, because yeah. it would probably be confusing for anyone in the moment. You yeah, know what I mean? Exactly, because you're not sure what's happening. And there, you know, are a couple things that happen afterwards. Um, Alfred is no longer allowed to use money. Her card is declined at stores, and all of her money and her bank accounts have been transferred over to her husband's name. So, you know, women aren't allowed to own property, have money. Well, and part of it is because they suspended the Constitution. Yeah. And for me, this was kind of the big uh, kind of realization almost that, you know, if enough fear is induced to the point where you could suspend the Constitution, even if it's for national security whatever the excuse is. You have no rights. You have no rights. That's the end. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? If it ever got to that point, I could see everything happening happening that does happen in the story. Yeah. And there's another part afterwards where every woman at uh, Offred's job is fired. So, you Mm -hmm. know, they're like, you can't work here anymore. And so slowly, like, you know, her liberties are being taken away. And at first it's just like, oh, well, this is terrible and it sucks and we should protest and all of this type of thing. But it quickly, quickly becomes chaos and, you know, people are being killed and taken and devolves into this madness. Yeah. And, you know, for as many people who are actively uh, doing the oppressing and, you know, turning into this militant group, there's a lot of people who obviously just kind of stand by and let it happen. Yeah. There's a great scene where after Offred loses her job, mm-hmm. she's talking to Luke. Yeah. And in the sh- in the book, it's just an internal monologue in yeah. her head. But mm-hmm. in the uh, show, they do they put Moira in the scene, and Moira yeah. kind of acts out what she thought in the book. But mm-hmm. Luke tells Offred, you know, I'll always take care of you. Yeah. And in the book, in her head, she's like, what? that's is not he, yeah that's is not he already this, patronizing me like yeah that's not what this is about like I don't mm-hmm. want anyone to have to take care of me yeah and Moira in the show is the one who kind of is like that's fucked up yeah come on Luke you yeah. know like you're you know and he I don't think meant anything by it no and it's the sense that like if something happened to someone you loved you know of course you would say like 
I'll take care of you. Sure. You know? But sure. there's more going on beyond that. Mm-hmm. And so when things start to get really bad is when people are being killed and then children are being taken away. Um, so Luke, Alfred, and their daughter Hannah decide to flee. And Moira has already fled as well. Yeah. So they get fake passports and they mm-hmm. try to go to Canada. Yeah. And it's a little uncertain what exactly goes down at the border. Yeah, and what went wrong for them. But they're eventually fleeing, and they're caught up by the border patrol or yeah. security, mm-hmm. where Luke sends Offred and Hannah into the woods. Out on foot. Out on foot mm-hmm. while he tries to... Hold them off Hold or them something. off or, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and while in the woods, Offred hears gunshots. Yeah. And then eventually the militant group catches up with her and takes her daughter away takes her away yeah mm-hmm. and in the book this is the last time Offred ever sees luke yeah and she talks about you know i heard shots i assume he's dead but then again i also assume he's alive and maybe yeah. he got away maybe mm-hmm. he you know there's kind of this total uncertainty that just clouds her you know life about what happened, what happened to, luke. to luke um but in the show we get to find out what happens to Luke, which is great. I yeah. love it. Yeah, and he's alive, which he is. is crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really liked it. was a whole episode dedicated to what happened to Luke. Yeah. Uh, and that's something that's really good about this show is that it follows other characters more yeah. mm-hmm. and by doing so expands the universe of the show. Yeah, because it's told just through Offred's perspective. She's narrating. Mm-hmm. So her perspective is very limited. You know, she doesn't know what happened to Luke. There's literally no way for her to find out. But in the show, you know, that viewpoint is expanded. And so we can see what's happening to other people at different points in time. Yeah. So Luke did get shot. Yes. Uh, managed to escape, though, when mm-hmm. an ambulance crashed. And then he it, it's joins ju- up with some other refugees. Yeah, yeah. Some people find him. They kind of heal him up and he manages to cross the border. Yeah. Uh, and get to Canada where mm-hmm. he's safe. Uh, but it's a great episode and it's very... So this show, I think I can safely say, was yeah. uh, heavily inspired by Children of Men, the movie from, I think, 2000. What is it now? 2003? Yeah, it was 2003 or 2004. Oh, my God. Yeah, and it's interesting because I think Children of Men, the movie, and then the book that it was based on, are influenced by The Handmaid's Tale. Probably, Because yeah. they kind of have the same premise, like infertility rocks the world and civilization sort of collapses. Yeah, and... Uh, It takes place in uh, England Mm -hmm. and, you know, suddenly like the youngest person alive is 18 and just, it's all about just the social unrest and everything unraveling because of this. Yeah. And it's an amazing movie, especially, definitely everyone should watch it, especially if you like The Handmaid's Tale. There's a great part where they um, talk about and they show these refugee camps and sort of people trying to flee and, you know, there's bombings, there's gunfire it turns into this war zone and they really capture that in luke's episode yeah luke's episode was the one i'm like this is definitely similar to children of men Mm -hmm. even the opening uh title we noticed of the handmaid's tale i haven't like compared it super close but looks Mm -hmm. exactly like the children of men opening title yeah which is super cool and interesting and i like it so that's yeah that's luke's kind of we find out about luke later in the show but that's kind of his arc in the show mm-hmm. and he, he gets to Canada and he's sort of trying to figure out how to get Offred and his daughter back basically yeah and uh Offred didn't uh 
end up in such a great spot. No, she's taken (laughs) to the Red Center and we don't know what happens to her daughter. She's just separated and, you know, Offred kind of assumes that her daughter has been given to uh, an influential family, one with a commander and a wife who can't have children because children are so precious now in this regime Mm -hmm. and they're kind of like, well, we're just going to take your kids. So yeah, they're a commodity for the, you know, high powered and wealthy Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, so she's in the red center and she quickly realizes this is really messed up. Some stuff's going down. Some shit's going down. (laughs) And she eventually figures out she's being trained to be a handmaid Mm -hmm. and a handmaid is someone who is, uh, trained to be ladylike, if you want to, their version oh, of yeah. ladylike. No, they're just supposed to be very submissive, not to speak, and you know. yeah, yeah, that's a better way of putting it. Yeah, and they are basically walking ovaries. They're all fertile women, and so they've been rounded up, and they're going to be assigned to different commanders, influential men in this new regime, regime, in order to have children for them. So they're in this facility and they're basically just being brainwashed. Yes. There are uh, women there who run the facility and they're known as uh, aunts or aunts Mm -hmm. and kind of older women, very strict, you know, Aunt Lydia is the most prominent figure and she seems like she's a true believer, you know, she's very into this Gilead regime and like these ideological ideas and kind of pounding it into these girls' minds and trying her best to brainwash them. Because there is a spectrum, and the book talks about this later, I think, that, you know, some women just did it to grab some small amount of power. Yeah. Uh, Some Some people were afraid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, But a lot were true believers. Some were sadists. But Mm -hmm. Aunt Lydia is like a true believer. Yeah. Uh, So in her mind, she's doing this for their own good and the good of society. And she's saving them, and it's their chance to redeem themselves from a life of being sluts. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, there's a terrible scene. Uh, where Janine, one of the other uh, women in this uh, red center, yeah. has to tell the story of how she was gang raped. Mm-hmm. And literally all the other women sitting around are forced to point at her and say, your it's fault. your fault, it's your fault, you asked for it. Yeah. Uh, and in the show, it's worth mentioning that Margaret Atwood herself yeah. has a brief <laughs> has a cameo. cameo where she slaps someone. She gets to give Elizabeth Moss a little slap in the face it's and great. tell her to, yeah. You can see her hair sticking out. It's great. <laughs> yeah, she's never in focus, but you can still totally tell it's her just because of the hair. Yeah. Yeah. So Moira's there with her too. Mm-hmm. Um, she so got captured. Moira got captured. So it's Moira, Offred. That's where she meets Janine, who um, becomes a handmaid later on, and another girl, Alma. But. Moira escapes. Yeah. Uh, she does not end up being taken to anyone because she uses a sharpened piece of a uh, toilet yeah. uh, thing in the, the back. back of the toilet. Yeah. And uh, she captures a nun or an ant, not a nun. They're very nun-like. Yeah. They seem like nuns. <laughs> <laughs> she, she captures an ant, takes her clothes and escapes with that. Yeah. And in the TV show, uh, Offer goes with her. Yeah. They both try to escape. Mm-hmm. Uh, which... You know, I really like in the show, it kind of heightens the tension and it makes yeah. sense that Mo- Moira would try to like help her too. Yeah. Uh, although, you know, Offred doesn't get out. She yeah. ends up being captured and Moira gets the to one escape. That gets away. Mm-hmm. And I was a little, you know, because Offred's punishment for this is her feet get like whipped. Yeah. And I was like, that doesn't seem like the most 
crazy punishment they could have given her for, yeah you know trying to run away yeah because janine at the very beginning of the red center thing yeah. in the in the show uh back talks to them yeah and they literally take her eye out they're like let's just cut the eye out <laughs> yeah and and what Alfred did was like they oh so much worse tied up a nun and took their clothes and yeah. like tried to escape and I don't know I just felt like that was a little odd you mm-hmm. know the kind of difference in punishment probably but. because in the book uh, Alfred doesn't go with Moira so they just needed to make up something yeah yeah and so Alfred doesn't escape and she ends up as a handmaid at Commander Waterford's house yeah so she ends up at the uh, this house with uh, Serena Joy, who's the wife, mm-hmm. and, and, Fred. and Fred, who is mostly just referred to as the, the commander. commander. Mm-hmm. And they're interesting in terms of you get more backstory in the show, but yeah. you find out he was a like integral part founding of founding member of Gilead, founding member of Gilead and mm-hmm. overthrowing um, America, America and kind of bringing about the rise of this uh, authoritarian you know, religious regime. Yeah. And Serena Joy has a big part in that too. She is a fervent believer in this and kind of brings about her own destruction because you can see that she sort of chafes under being meek and being, you know, a wife and having to, you know, not be able to read and not be a part of the government, even though she was one of the ones who brought it about. So it's kind of an interesting contrast and they explore that a lot in the show, which I think is great. Yeah. Yeah, you know, they really, you know, show how she just gave up all her power, assuming they would do right right by her her and do the right thing. And they're like, okay, well, you can't read anymore. Yeah, not so much. And it's interesting because Serena Joy's character is sort of loosely based on a real woman, Phyllis Shafley, who in the 80s, I think, or 70s or 80s, kind of campaigned against women's rights. Women were trying to get an equal rights amendment passed, and she was like, this will be the worst thing for America, and kind of almost single-handedly stopped the amendment from being passed. And it was sort of this oxymoron because she kept preaching that women should be at home and should take care of their husbands and children and all this domestic shit. But she was out there giving speeches and touring and a bunch of stuff like that. And was in a powerful position. In a powerful position. So this contrast is really interesting in Serena Joy. And that's sort of where Margaret Atwood draws from. Yeah, yeah. And uh, besides the commander and mm-hmm. Serena Joy, there is a, a housekeeper yeah. who are called, they're called Martha's. Martha's. And then there is a driver. Nick. Uh, Nick. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Offred just kind of lives with them. She runs errands. And yeah. She's, she's also a servant basically in their yeah. house, but for different purposes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and except for once a month. Yep. When they have the ceremony, the ceremony, it's time that we talk about the ceremony, the ceremony, <laughs> where everyone kind of gets together. It starts off, everyone gets together in this room and the commander reads from the Bible. Yeah. Which is in a locked box, which is very interesting. Yeah. Cause people aren't allowed to read now. Yeah. And you know, for this regime, they've taken so many very precise snippets specific parts of the, of Bible. the Bible and it's great because they'll often quote certain parts to Offred yeah and she'll in her head like say the next line yeah that she knows which they're l- leaving stuff out you know or they're changing things a like, little bit they'll always say you know blessed are the meek 
Yeah. And she'll be like, yeah, you're not, you're forgetting the part where they inherit the earth. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this is a really great example of people taking the Bible and misinterpreting it or taking parts that they want and making their own meaning out of it. And this is like extremism in any religion, I think. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Taking this religious text or principles of the religion and then sort of like taking it really far and ignoring other parts of mm-hmm. the religion or the Bible. You're putting like God on, you know, quote unquote on your side yeah. to, you know, get your agenda accomplished. Yeah. And it's usually for power. Oh, yeah. All the time mm-hmm. by white dudes. White dudes usually. <laughs> <laughs> but dudes in general, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the ceremony, yeah, they, they have the, the reading of the Bible and then Alfred, Serena Joy and the commander go into the bedroom and... You're like, oh God. <laughs> and then commences the most uncomfortable threesome the ever. The most unhappy threesome ever. <laughs> ever conceived of. Uh, where Alfred lays on the lap of Serena Joy. And Serena Joy holds her arms. And then the commander just like takes out his penis and has sex with Alfred. But like he, they all have their clothes on. Yeah, he can't, he can't touch, touch her. her. He just, sort of <laughs> I love in the show, like he just has his hands on his hips. Yeah. And it's so, you know, I mean, it's absolutely horrible what they do to her. Mm -hmm. I mean, every month they rape her. Yeah. Uh, Because she has no choice in it. She can't say no. Yeah. But the only kind of thing that you feel a little bit happier about is that no one is enjoying it. No one is having a good time. Yeah. (laughs) You know, the wife is like just there basically. And she's supposed to be part of it, but she's not really. No. And so she's not happy. Alfred is not happy because she's being raped and her will and agency is being taken away. And I don't think the commander's happy either because he's got to maintain that boner despite (laughs) two people like not looking at him and frowning. Despite your wife glaring at you the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so weird and kind of strange and i love the show does address like the whole issue of like yeah you know he has to stop at one point and then serena goes after him and it's interesting because they you know it wasn't clear in the book yeah and maybe it wasn't defined on purpose in the book but apparently like the commander and his wife can't really have have sex sex. because like they think that she's infertile so if it's not sex for procreation it's outlawed yeah, and there is a scene where they have sex, mm-hmm. uh, Serena and the commander, and then he later throws that back in her face. Yeah, like she sinned. For yeah, it. like mm-hmm. it was her fault and everything. So that that was kind of interesting to figure out as the show went on. The sexual politics in this whole scenario is very fucked up. Yeah, very messed <laughs> and up. And it's like I don't know how people think that people will just follow these rules and not have sex, you know? Cuz a lot of people aren't supposed to have sex, you know. Offred yeah. is not really having sex. The wife isn't having sex. The commander can only have sex with Offred and it's not very good. Yeah. You know, and what do you what do they expect people are going to do? You know, you can't just be like, "Well, no one's going to have sex and that's that," you know. Yeah, unless you're like given a wife yeah. by the regime. Regime, you're supposed to stay abstinent mm-hmm. and you know, this kind of we'll get into this a bit more but in Gilead like there's just brutal killings, you know, if yeah. you're caught with uh someone you're not supposed to be with. Yeah. Whether it's in a gay relationship or mm-hmm. you're outside of marriage. Outside of marriage mm-hmm. or pretty much any number of things. Pretty much all sex. You'd be is lucky outlawed. to lose a limb. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like that would probably be the best case scenario. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, Gilead. So this is this is kind of an interesting thing. Another thing that's not 
um, super specifically defined mm-hmm. by either the show or the uh, book. the book. But it's like, what are the boundaries of this society in yeah. terms of like the actual size? Is it all of America? I, mm-hmm. it, I don't think so, but it's not... Very yeah, clear. and they mentioned that the wars are ongoing. So, you know, you assume that maybe certain states or certain areas of the U.S. are maybe fighting back and Gilead is sort of in this ongoing war to kind of contain it and become larger. They don't go into it a lot, but it's sort of an interesting aspect because obviously this is a newish re- regime, so they, you know, have problems and there's unrest. And mm-hmm. so they're kind of in that stage of trying to quell the rebellions and you know take over as much territory as possible you you imagine it's a pretty big area though because yeah. they try to escape north to canada mm-hmm. where their border uh connects with yeah and instead of going west you know you wonder yeah. like if america's split or mm-hmm. if there's parts like maybe west would be better but clearly canada is the safest. north is the fastest and safest route so clearly this gilead area is... which is a definite callback to slavery mm-hmm. and oh, slaves yeah. having to escape to canada because america wasn't safe and i really like that too they also mentioned the underground female road which i thought was really <laughs> stupid i did not like that name at all but yeah. it just smuggling women out of the country basically <laughs> they just kind of <laughs> throw that one in there just yeah let's just repurpose this name just a little bit it needs, it needs rebranded. <laughs> There's this spot, too, where the handmaids sort of gather, and it's this wall, and they just hang the dead criminals there. And it's interesting because the handmaids sort of walk by it under the pretense to, like, pray or see the traitors, but really they're kind of looking to see if it's anyone they know. Mm-hmm. And they'll have signs on them that'll yeah. be, you know, this guy was Jewish, this guy was... a. Uh, performed abortions mm-hmm. in the and this, it's inter- this person was gay and there are symbols only because people aren't allowed to read so mm-hmm. uh there's a great part though that where in the show she's looking at um three bodies and mm-hmm. there's a, a jewish guy a doctor and i forget the a third, gay man a gay or something man, and she's like I think I've heard this joke before. <laughs> it's, it's really dark. There's a lot of dark humor in this show. Oh yeah, which is I think good because um, you don't want it to just to be like terrible the whole time. You no, know? and although the premise is pretty grounded, it's still kind of pushing the boundary of like you know how far believability to yeah. an extent. So I like that it's a little self-acknowledging of some of those goofier parts. But yeah, and. So an interesting thing that the show does a little differently than the book is in aspects of race. So in oh, yeah. the novel, Atwood just sort of has this offhand comment like, oh, yeah, all the black people were like resettled because whites, you know, hate black people. And in the show, they were kind of like, I mean, we get that. But also, like, we would love to have, you know, black characters in the mm-hmm. show. And so they kind of took this approach like, in this case where fertility becomes the most important thing, race would kind of not matter, you know? Yeah. Having a child with anyone would be better you know, than not having children. Yeah, and I think that makes sense. We had a whole discussion about, you know, clearly, honestly, like, they built this whole system of handmaids and stuff on the premise of having as many children as possible. Yeah. But clearly that isn't their main concern. Their main concern is power. Because power if their main concern was actually having children, mm-hmm. they'd be using science, they'd be using other methods. Yeah. Uh, you know, IVF is like outlawed. 
people have to get pregnant the natural way, you know, it's mm-hmm. so weird. It's like this strange mix. They act like fertility is the most important and in a lot of ways it is, but also you can clearly see their true motivation shining through. Well, and the men are, you're not allowed to call a man, a man, uh, sterile. Yeah. It's only the women. Only if, the women that are barren. If the woman's not getting pregnant, it's her fault. Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> so that's kind of another example. Like they don't test the men for this. Yeah. And if they really cared about fertility, they would be like, let's weed out all the people who are infertile. But, Ab- absolutely. Yeah. But the, the whole race thing opens up in the show characters to be kind of cast a little differently. Moira in the book and in the show is gay, but um, in the show, she's played by a black actress, Samira Wiley, who I just love. She's so, you'll know her at, from Orange is the New Black. Yeah, she plays Poussey in mm-hmm. Orange is the New Black, and she's my favorite character. But she's amazing as Moira, and you know, just yeah. opening the roles up to different races has just given us this wonderful actress in this role. Luke is black. Luke is black too, too. and so, so they have an their daughter, daughter, which is uh, interesting. Yeah, so I, I really liked that kind of expansion of you know it's, it's it became a very diverse cast. Yeah, um, even um, uh, off Glenn, yeah. who we'll talk about a little bit soon. And mm-hmm. uh, she in the show was uh, yeah they made her gay. character gay as well, and which is great because uh, since Mo- Moira escaped, you get to see from her perspective what happens to a woman who's gay, who's a handmaid. Yeah. Uh, you know, and what so. the consequences of being a gender traitor are, mm-hmm. which is what they call it. So they really get to expand on the different experiences of different people yeah. in this society. Which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point in the story, the commander kind of sets up these meetings with Alfred. He asks her to like come to his office and Nick sort of gives her the message that the commander wants to meet with her. Nick is sort of like the commander's lackey or yeah, he's the driver, but he kind of does whatever the family needs. Yeah. And so she goes to meet him and they kind of, and she's freaked out. She's yeah. She doesn't know what he wants. Does he want to like have some weird kinky sex with her? Like what's going to happen? And then he's like, hey, do you want to play Scrabble with me? <laughs> yeah. And so then they play Scrabble. Which, and yeah, which is outlawed because she's not supposed to read or spell. Yeah. So it's great because, you know, it's almost played for laughs at first because yeah. she's expecting the very worst. And then he's like, you want to play Scrabble? And But it turns into this in both the show and the move in the show and the book, uh, this great scene where she's. I don't know, just feeling the tiles and spelling out words. And, and getting to read again, which she hasn't been able yeah. to do in so long. Yeah, it, it's, it turns into a real, like, emotional kind of moment for her. Yeah, and so she and the commander kind of keep meeting on the sly every now and then after everyone's asleep. They kind of are hanging out. There's, like, mild flirting, and, you know, Offred doesn't really know what's going on, but... She doesn't have that much of a choice, and no. she figures she can maybe get some things out of it. Like he gets her some lotion because they're not allowed to have lotion, and so she's sort of doing the best she can in these circumstances. And she keeps meeting the commander. Yeah, there becomes this really interesting kind of power struggle in a way, in yeah. terms of she's like, "What can I get out of this?" Mm-hmm. And you know, what does he really want? And it's interesting because you don't know what his motivations he, are. It, it seems sincere. At that least he at the wants beginning. like a human connection, maybe. Yeah. And at one point in the show, she's like, he needs this. Yeah. And probably, you know, w- during the ceremony and stuff, he might need some kind of personal connection. Yeah. To get off. I don't know. But mm-hmm. uh, in the in the, it's a 
important differences in the in the book. The commander and Serena Joy's wife are both much older yeah. than they are in in the show. So in the show, it's I shouldn't say it's like sexier or anything. Yeah, but, but there's flirting. There yeah. kind of there is some sexual tension, and it's sort of an interesting setup. He seems sincere in the book, but it's questionable. Yeah, um, an interesting aspect of this world is the whole like birth ceremony thing. So, you know, Offred kind of ends up going to this birth, birthing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's birthing. air quotes. You can't see them, but yeah, I air quoted air- <laughs> it. Um, yeah. So all the handmaids have to go and then all the wives go to, and you know, one of the handmaids is giving birth. And so they're all <laughs> up in the room with the handmaid Janine who is giving birth at this time. And Janine's the one who lost her eye yeah. at the uh, the Red Center. And mm-hmm. she's ve- become unraveled at this point. She's yeah. very goofy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's giving birth, like the actual birth. Yeah. Meanwhile, the wife of the commander is going through some kind of ceremony where it's she's... It's like a pseudo <laughs> labor where she's... she's acting like, contractions and I'm like what the and the fuck? other wives are like standing around like you've got this you can do this giving her water and stuff <laughs> and I'm like this is so fucking weird it's so <laughs> one bizarre. of the more bizarre parts in the book and the show I loved it though I thought it was so goofy but it yeah. was great well and you know Janine ends up having her baby and sort of losing it afterwards thinking that you know, she's going to keep her baby. She doesn't want to give it to the wife and that the commander loves her. Her commander loves her and they're going to run away together. She gives the baby a different name than yeah. what the commander and the wife give it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, I loved this was another kind of expansion of the original book yeah. where you get to see what happens to a handmaid who does, does give birth to a child. Yeah. What happens, you know, she... Uh, has to be there for a while to breastfeed it and take care of it. And then she's assigned to a new location. And it's so sad. You feel really bad for her because, you know, her mind is so fractured and has been damaged so much by all this trauma that she's gone through. So she, you know, believes that she's in love or that her commander loves her and that she's going to, you know, be with him and their daughter. And then she's assigned to this new posting and has to be, raped again by another person and she she kind of has a breakdown in that part she she can't handle it and you feel so terrible and you're like the mental trauma and the physical trauma that's happening to these women it's just it's terrible yeah so she ends up leaving her new family she goes runs away she runs away she goes back to the house Mm -hmm. of the family she was with before that she had the child for yeah and she steals the child Mm -hmm. and ends up on a bridge and they're trying to talk her down, and they yeah. end up calling uh, Offred in. Yeah. And this is all in the show, by the way. They mm-hmm. call Offred in because they know that they were friends. Her and Janine are kind of friends, mm-hmm. and uh, Aunt Lydia is there too. And Offred manages to talk her into giving the baby back to her. Yeah. Uh, but then after she does that, Janine jumps off the bridge, mm-hmm. and she ends up surviving. Uh, but she wanted to kill herself and the mm-hmm. baby. You know, she was like, I can't live in this world and I don't want my daughter to live in this world either. Yeah. Uh, and you also get to see in this kind of arc of Janine that Aunt Lydia has kind of a, a connection to Janine a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She feels a little, she feels bad for her and tries looking out for her. Uh, you know, there's a scene where she's really upset about something and Aunt Lydia kind of. She actually even uses her real name her at one point. Name, She's Janine. like Janine, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, kind of 
takes care of her. And I really like seeing that side of Aunt Lydia. Yeah. Because it reinforces that idea that she is a true believer. Mm -hmm. And she thinks she's doing what's best for uh, these women. Yeah. Uh, Even though (laughs) clearly it couldn't be any farther from that. But, you know, it's not, she's not playing any kind of political games for power or anything. Mm -hmm. And she does care. So I liked seeing that softer side to Aunt Lydia, even though she does horrible Horrible things. Horrible She's things. a terrible person. Uh, this would be a good time to talk about the character of Offglen. Yeah. So Offglen is Offred's shopping partner. They, you know, go in twos to go shopping and stuff. And, you know, at first they both kind of don't talk that much. They just say the religious nonsense that they're all supposed <laughs> to say. And then they there's this moment where they have a connection and they kind of speak more freely and sort of get to, they get to say, oh, wait, you're not. You're you're normal? Okay. I'm yeah. normal too. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. They put them in pairs. Yeah. You know, they claim for their own safety, you know, to watch out for each other, but they're yeah. like, really, it's to keep an eye on each other. And to spy. You yeah. know, it's like, mm-hmm. hey, if your partner escapes or does some shit, you're in trouble too. Yeah. So they're kind of pitting them against each other. And that's mm-hmm. a common theme in this book and uh, show. That people are always watching. People could turn you in and betray you. And putting, you know, the victims against each other yeah, in order to, to keep them from uniting. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and you find out Offglen in the show, you know, is gay and she had a wife and a child. And um, what happens to her in the show is she was having uh, some sort of relationship with a Martha and they're caught. Yeah. And it happens way earlier in the show than in the... Yeah. In the book, you know, she's, well, I guess that doesn't happen in the book. In the show, she has this affair. Yeah. And she one day just disappears. Mm-hmm. Uh, Offred. And Offred doesn't know what happened. She goes out to meet, you know, Offglen, and then suddenly it's this other woman. And it's this great part where she's like, where's Offglen? And she's like, I am Offglen. I am Offglen. <laughs> 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 it's really great, but uh, in the... You find out in the show that, you know, she's kind of on trial for being a gender traitor, you know, having a, a lesbian relationship. And it's super interesting because it's not really a trial. It's just them being like, you're terrible. You'll be punished now. And it's really sad. You see um, the Martha is uh, hung. She's hanged. Yeah. And they don't kill off Glenn because she can still have a child and that's more important to them. So they just cut off her clitoris. Yeah. And it's just such a, it's a horrible, obviously a horrible scene. You don't, like, you just see her waking up from some kind of procedure. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what what do they do? They take one of her legs off or one of her arms or what? And And they were kind of like, we remove the temptation for you. Yeah. And Aunt Lydia is the one who tells her, which kind of (laughs) furthers her being a horrible person. But Yeah. And it's interesting because Offglut is involved in May Day. And May Day is sort of this underground resistance that's going on within Gilead, you know, trying to get people out, you know, trying to overthrow, you know, this government. Um, And in the book, she ends up killing herself when she sees that the authorities are coming, coming to get her. Yeah, they found her out. And so she ends up killing herself. And so it takes a different turn than in Mm -hmm. the uh, in the show. Yeah, in and the, then, <laughs> sorry, in the show, her fate is more unknown. Yeah, she does return as a handmaid mm-hmm. after having um, the procedure, 
And you can tell she's just completely almost lost hope. Yeah. But it results in this amazing scene where when they're she out shopping, a car. <laughs> she hijacks a car and tries to escape, tries to escape. She drives around. She hits a bunch of the uh, guards, mm-hmm. runs over a guy's head. It's great. It's really and like all the handmaids are just watching kind of secretly, they like joyously. Yeah. Uh, and then she's carried off. They capture her. And so we don't know what has happened to her in the show. Mm hmm. This is around the time, too, where a relationship has developed between Nick and Offred. And there's like, there's tension between them, some sexual tension, you know, because he's sort of young, she's young, and he seems more normal than the commander to Offred, I think. And Serena Joy approaches Offred and is basically like, hey, the commander might not be able to have a child, and it's going to be bad for you if you can't have a kid. And it's going to be bad for me if you can't have a kid. So let's make a deal. Yeah. And so Serena Joy sets it up so that uh, Offred meets up with Nick and they have sex. Yeah. In the show, Serena Joy stands there. And just like watches them. mm -hmm, It's the same setup as, not quite, but almost the same setup as the ceremony where Nick just kind of does it as like off hands as possible. Yeah. And so, but then Offred kind of keeps going back to him to meet and to have sex. I think she's, I mean, she's obviously starved for, you know, affection and for physical contact. You know, no one talks to her, no one can touch her. You know, she's raped every month. And to have this chance for human connection and to have this look back at what her life was before, you know, able to have sex, able to enjoy having sex, you know, she can't resist and she keeps going back. Yeah. What did you think of Nick in the show? Uh, You know, I'm not sure. He's a very enigmatic character. Like, you don't really know what's going on in his head. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I kind of, I don't know. I liked that. You you actually find out about Nick's backstory a little bit in the show, that he was kind of... Recruited to this? Yeah, recruited by the regime before Mm -hmm. they kind of overthrew society. And so he kind of has a personal connection to uh, Fred and Serena Joy. Well, and you never know in the book and in the show exactly where his allegiances lie. You know, he does like a, bl- a bunch of black market shit, but he's also an I, which are like the secret spy organization. But he might also be involved in May Day. Like it's not certain. And so he's just, he's kind of confusing and he's left that way on mm-hmm. purpose. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. This is when the commander is like, hey, I have a surprise for you. <laughs> God. And Offred's like, are you going to kill me? <laughs> <laughs> and then he pulls out a slinky little dress. Yeah. So he's like, we're going out tonight and dresses her up like a whore. Mm-hmm. And they, he kind of smuggles her out of the house, the house and kind of their area, like the commander's Past society. these security checkpoints. Mm-hmm. And to a place called Jezebel's. Yeah. Which... Which, if you don't get the biblical reference, Jezebel was a whore. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so it's just... It's kind of like a repurposed hotel. Yeah. Where people... Where all these... I, I don't know if they're all, like, upper class guys. I think they're guys. all commanders. Yeah. It's like basically a whorehouse for commanders. Mm-hmm. Like, they go in, they can have sex with all the women in there, and it's like, men need variety because we're men. One of those things. Yeah. You start to just kind of see more of the commander's actual viewpoints, I think, at this point. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a great part where he, before they leave for Jezebel's, I think, kind of says, you know, we tried to make the world a better place. And she said, 
I forget if Offred says for better who, for who. And yeah. He, he was like a better world doesn't mean better for everyone. Yeah. And it's obviously better for them. Only. Yeah. And there's this, you know, dissonance between like what they're saying and then what they're doing too. You know, they say that they, you know, are very religious and like sex is this holy thing, but then they have this whorehouse that they can visit whenever they want. You know, there's this weird duality going on, which it's obviously just because men want their way and they want power and it's the patriarchy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's, you know, it's highlighted in this show a lot that even though there are certain, you know, rules for the upper class people yeah. and the people in charge, they never fully apply. Yeah. You know, Serena, jo- exceptions. Serena Joy breaks them when she mm-hmm. asks uh, Offred to sleep with Nick. Yeah. Uh, and she says that her husband might be sterile. Mm-hmm. And obviously he breaks them by meeting with Offred and, the then, yeah. and then taking her to Jezebel's. And they rationalize it and everything. And, but no one else has any say, you know, yeah. obviously Offred couldn't do what she wants and be no, like, and well, she has no choice. it's my interpretation or what I think I need. Mm-hmm. You know, all it's always the, the lower in status you are, the more, uh, tied to these beliefs rules. and rules that you mm-hmm. are and you have no say in them. Yeah. So they go to Jezebel's and Offred sees Moira there, which is crushing because, you know, all this time she's been thinking that Moira escaped yeah. and that Moira got out and she kind of uses Moira to sort of give her strength in times of weakness and, and, um, trouble. She is just like, you know, what would Moira do? And if she was here, what would she say? And then she finds out that, you know, Moira was captured and, you know, they were like, you can either become a whore or we can send you away, you know? Yeah, there are these places called the colonies yeah. uh, in the book and show that are referred to where I think you're basically just slaves doing slave labor or something. Yeah, and you die at a young age and mm-hmm. it's just the worst. It's always their threat. Like, yeah, we'll send you to the colonies. You know, and that's kind of always an excuse is, you know, you chose to be a handmaid. Yeah. And it's like, well, the alternative was you told me I could die in 10 years going to a slave labor camp pretty much. Yeah. But so... Uh, Moira is there mm-hmm. and they get a moment where they get to uh, meet in the bathroom yeah. and kind of talk and explain what happened. And I really like it in the show. It's a more emotional moment, yeah. I feel, than in the uh, in the book. Yeah, it's it's really sad because they're really happy to see each other. But then again, they wish that neither of them were there. So it's it's like, you know, offered wishes that Moira wasn't there, but she's also glad to see her. Yeah. And then they're they're reunion is kind of short-lived mm-hmm. and uh then offred has to go up to the room with the commander and have sex with him and have sex with him and pretend like she likes it yeah and he at this point is obviously there's no no uh pity or not pity but you can't relate to the commander at all no not in this moment because it's so terrible for him to think that like she would want to have sex with him you know mm-hmm. like all this time that they've been having this ceremony and he's been raping her that she's only been wanting to like be able to have real sex with him and yeah. not have the wife there. And it's really sad that she kind of has to pretend like she's enjoying it. So the commander doesn't get like upset with her, which is really, really sad. Yeah. And before, you know, when they were playing Scrabble and stuff, part of you is thinking, you know, maybe he cares for her. Yeah. You know? He kind of says he wants to make her life more enjoyable to an extent or as much as he can yeah and you wonder like he might be honest even though it's still a, a messed up thing to be doing mm-hmm. you know you, you think there might be some sincerity in him yeah but at this point it's it's clear there's nothing yeah and at this point in the show 
Offrey becomes kind of involved in the Mayday operation. You know, she wants to be in it. And, you know, one of the other handmaids, Alma, tells her that there's a package at Jezebel's that they need to get out. So she sort of like slyly convinces the commander to go back there. And she ends up not being able to get the package. But she has this really great scene with Moira where Moira's sort of given up. She's at Jezebel's now and she's like, there's no way I can escape like this is my life now and and uh Alfred kind of tells her like no you can't you can't give up you can't let them win like you have to be strong and this isn't like the Moira I know I believe she says you need to get your fucking shit together yeah it's a really great she's just like had it she's like I'm not gonna crying you know she's like I'm not gonna see you like beaten down by them like you need to get it together yeah and it's cool because you know she ends up leaving you know she doesn't get the package but then later on the package is smuggled to her and there's just a note note on there from moira and so she got the package out for offred and then there's a scene where you see moira about to (laughs) escape again and she has the toilet weapon once more and i'm like there's no toilet that moira can't turn into a weapon you'd think that would have been in her background like don't leave her don't leave her with a toilet don't leave her alone with a toilet (laughs) but it's so great because she like gets her weapon and then you see her like dressed up as a a driver and she sort of like escapes yeah. And you do find out that she she makes it to Canada. And it's a, such a relief. You're like, at least Moira made it in the yeah. show. At least Moira got to Canada. Uh, there's such a great, like, heartbreaking but amazing scene where she's in Canada. Yeah. And Canada is just so nice. And like, and she's like, doesn't know what to do. And they're giving her, they're like, okay, here's your health <laughs> health care. He, like, puts a paper in a yeah, thing. Yeah, he's like, here's all this money you can use. Here's some money. Here's a cell phone. And she's just like overwhelmed because she's been in this like yeah fucked uh, up society for, for like three years three plus now. years yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so it's a really great scene and you do get to see that she and luke are reunited which is great because you know they were really close before all this craziness happened so and you kind of have hope like maybe they'll be able to find offred and get her out now that they're together mm-hmm. so at this point in the story is when uh serena joy finds out that Offred and her husband have been going to Jezebel's. Yeah. She finds one of her cloaks that uh, Fred used to smuggle her out and had lipstick on it. Yeah. And, and so she, she immediately knows. Yeah. And she ends up finding the sexy outfit too. And, you know, she reacts violently and she's really angry at Offred. And in the show, she kind of makes her take a pregnancy test at this point that she's smuggled into the house on the black market. Um, and it's basically like, you don't even know what I'm going to do with you if you're not pregnant right now. (laughs) Yeah. And luckily for her, maybe she's pregnant. Mm -hmm. She finds out like definitively that she's pregnant in the book. She doesn't know for sure. Yeah. She Mm -hmm. thinks she is. She's pretty sure she is, but Mm -hmm. isn't positive. Uh, Yeah. And so this kind of flips everything on its head for her now. Yeah. And offered is kind of like, she does, she's almost a little like happy about it because I think she does want to be a mother and have a child, but she's also kind of horrified, you know, and she's, she even asked Serena at one point in the show, like, you think I wanted to bring a baby into this world? Yeah. Into this crazy fucked up world and into this house, into your house. I kind of like it because immediately, uh, Offred kind of realizes I can talk back to Serena now. Yeah, I can say whatever I want because I'm pregnant. <laughs> yeah, I can kind of take advantage of this in that way. And mm-hmm. I enjoyed the scenes in this episode, which it's the final episode at this yeah. point. 
uh, when she gets to do that. And Serena is very single-minded and she knows what she wants. And she kind of, she ends up threatening Offred uh, with her previous daughter, Hannah, because she knows where Hannah is and kind of, you know, lets her know if you don't do what I say and protect this baby and give me this baby, I'm going to make sure your daughter, like something bad happens to your daughter. Yeah. It's a heartbreaking scene in the show where they drive to the house that Mm -hmm. Hannah's at and Serena brings her out on the porch and Alfred can't get out of the car in the car and can't leave and has to watch her daughter and she's freaking out. And then when they're driving away, Serena gives her the ultimatum. Yeah. And then Alfred just gets to like, yeah, she calls her a motherfucking cunt. Yeah. <laughs> she just gets to like unload on her from the back. It's, it's really sad though. It, it's really, it's heartbreaking, but it's also, you, it's enjoyable just to watch her finally get to speak her mind a little bit. Yeah. And this is when Janine, who had tried to kill herself by jumping off the bridge, she ends up surviving and they go to a salvaging Yes. Which a salvaging is when the handmaids get to kill people. Yeah. It's a crazy <laughs> ceremony where And they, they have this in the in the first episode of the show, actually, which is so interesting. Great way to start. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's kind of this like messed up way where the the handmaids get to release some release tension. frustration and anger by killing people. By killing other people who are po- probably innocent. Yeah. And in who've this- done some kind of crime or, mm-hmm. you know, against the regime. And yeah, in this instance, you know, Aunt Lydia is there and she tells them, all right, uh, somebody in- tried to endanger a child, which is a crime. And it's Janine. Yeah. And it's this is kind of where I was like, OK, all of Aunt Lydia's humanity is Sympathy gone. Sympathy is gone. Because yeah. Janine was kind of her only... Um, Almost like her favorite um, child. Yeah, you know? her emotional connection. Mm-hmm. And now she's like, okay, you know, God wants her to die, so, so I'm going to let you. So pick up these stones and stone her. There's a great uh, side <laughs> character who's a handmaid yeah. who just has the best lines where yeah. they're uh, all grabbing the rocks. And she's like, oh, I hate stonings. <laughs> like, just all these like terrible things, things now. Things that they have are, to do. And like, they're like, ugh. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like, oh, I hate Olive Garden. Like, yeah. some I hate when we like have that. to stone people to death. <laughs> <laughs> and even Aunt Lydia has another great line where yeah. they're all picking the rocks, and she's like, just pick one. Like, there's plenty for everyone. <laughs> yeah, don't be picky. Don't be picky. Just grab one. <laughs> and, you know, this is the scene where the handmaids refuse to stone Janine. And it's sort of like they can't kill her because they all know what it's like. And this is sort of almost like a reference to the Bible where they were going to stone this woman who, you know, was adulterous or something. And Jesus sort of steps in and he's like, anyone who hasn't, you know, sinned or committed a crime, like then you can cast the first stone. And, you know, they all drop their stones and they're like, we're not going to do this because they have sympathy for Janine. She's one of them and they're not going to betray her. Yeah, and so Aunt Lydia's like, okay, everyone go home. You're going to be punished like you've never been punished before. Yeah, and you don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, and so Alfred goes back home and is waiting, mm-hmm. and she knows, and she sees something's a van. Something's going to happen. Yeah, she knows something's going to happen, and a van comes for her. Mm-hmm. And it's a very similar situation in uh, the book yeah. where the stoning, the Janine stoning situation doesn't happen. But, but Serena Joy has found out about 
her secret meetings with the commander and has threatened that something bad is going to happen to her. Yeah. So the vans pull up and, you know, Offred sees them and then Nick comes into her room. Yeah. And there's only one. Like a couple seconds. A couple seconds where he's like, go with them. Trust me. Trust me. Yeah. And it's interesting because in the book. Yeah. He says Mayday. He says Mayday. And you realize. with Mayday. He's a double agent Mm -hmm. that he has, you know. A connection to he, the secret resistance. Yeah. Now in the show, he doesn't, which no. is interesting because if he does, they don't they don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. And you know, he might be actually using his ties to like the eye mm-hmm. to help her. Like you, you're not really sure. Yeah, and you don't know what his motivation is. Is he like he finds out that you know Alfred is pregnant? Does he feel like partially responsible for her now, or like does he want to be a father? You know, in this society, so is he trying to protect her in that way? And so in the end, they take her away, and all she has is Nick being like, "Trust me," or like, "Maybe this will be okay." And you know, so Offred is very calm, and she's like, "I don't. It doesn't matter to me. I'm ready, whether it's my death or whether it's like a new beginning. Like I'm ready." And that's basically how and she steps up onto the van. Yep, that's how the show and how the book end. <laughs> it was so funny because I, you know, I listened to this on audiobook. Yeah, and. I kind of had a general idea of where I was in the story uh-huh. and I'm driving and listening to this part and she steps up onto the van, not knowing if it was a new beginning or what. Yeah. And then that was the end and it cut to like the epilogue that's mm-hmm. read by someone else. I'm like, wait, what? Wait, what <gasps> happened? Oh, wait, <gasps> and go I'm back. Like hitting like 30 seconds back on my phone <laughs> and like what, you know, yeah, <laughs> like, I have to listen to it again. To I didn't it. know that was the ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah. And I like that they leave it ambiguous. You know, it's like, and there's going to be a season two. In The Handmaid's Tale. So we don't know what... Because they've pretty much covered all of the book material. So I'm really curious to see what the second season will be about and how they'll structure the story. And if it will be about June, you know, maybe it'll be about somebody else in Mm -hmm. Gilead. And maybe we'll get to see what happens to... to, I'm sorry, I said June. (laughs) I knew that would happen eventually. What happens to (laughs) Offred? Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting too because Offred as a character is different in the book and show in that in the book she's very she's no control over anything any of the events any of the actions she's just kind of along for the ride and just is trying to survive yeah which is a great story in its own Mm -hmm. uh, but also kind of uh very sad you know it's it's kind of very real and sad Mm -hmm. uh and so it's interesting because in the show she's much more of a uh, actionable character. She yeah. Do- she kind of fights back a little more. Yeah, you know? yeah, and you know she she takes more steps. Like in the first episode, she says her name is June. Yeah, and kind of claims that you know. Yeah, and I knew then that I'm like I think she's gonna be a more involved character uh, and do more. And I think. I think that has a lot to do with like where we are now in our time, you know, and mm-hmm. also with like wanting a character that you can root for. Yeah, and so if it's someone who's just sort of letting things happen to them. A little more, even though that's very realistic in this type of scenario, like people would just like do their best to be, you know, survive and stay alive. It's great to have a character who's kind of like chafing under that and is fighting back in small ways and like won't be crushed by the evil patriarchy. Yeah. And, you know, the show does it infuses like this dark story with music. Yeah. That is oh, so good. Music. Yeah. Like the very ending song of the last episode is uh, American Girl. Yeah. Is that what it's called? I think it's called American Girl. You probably know which song I'm talking about, but <laughs> yeah. it's very upbeat. Mm-hmm. And kind of this hopeful message at the end. Yeah, yeah, which I, I think 
people want out of a story like this. Oh yeah. You know, you need to have a little uplift in this depressing without getting, yeah, without getting too into current events. It's like, I think a lot of people feel, uh, very helpless about things that are going on and very frustrated. Mm -hmm. And I think it was great to take a more optimistic, um, angle or a more proactive angle. Yeah. Um, like even though this world is terrible, there's still hope that things can change and that things will get better. And, uh, this is, it's interesting because in the book, um, in the epilogue, it's sort of framed like they found these tapes of her narrating her story. And it's, this is like a hundred years later, yeah. 200 years later. And they're it, kind of these academics discussing her story that they, they found it. And it's yeah. like this, you know, historical document from this weird Gilead time. So you know in the book that Gilead does pass away and things change. Yeah, as we all know, the regime of Gilead. Yeah, and they're talking about it in this scholarly way. It's sort of a weird context for it. I'm not sure if I like it or not. Yeah, I didn't know either. I had to think about it. And I have, I I guess I have to say, like, in terms of epilogues, I'd say it's a more interesting type of epilogue, and I Mm -hmm. like it better than most. And they they don't know what happened to Offred either. No. They're kind of like, we don't know what happened to her. And so the story's sort of interesting that way. Yeah, the, the, the scholarly discussions about how they tried to track down, like, who her commander was, who mm-hmm. this Fred guy was. And, uh, you know, it's, like I said, it's more of an interesting epilogue than you usually get in a story. Oh, I, yeah. I just don't know if I liked that. Yeah, I feel like it almost like takes you out of the story. Like it's just these academics being like, oh, yes, well, we found the tapes and it's interesting historically. You know, it sort of takes you out of like the importance of her story. You know, it's sort of reduced to this like, oh, it's this chapter in history instead of it being this important personal story. I don't know. But then again, that's kind of like the almost the harsh reality of it is that that's what people's stories often are reduced to is, you know. An afterthought, a footnote in a history book. Mm Mm-hmm. If you're lucky. Yeah. Okay. So the big question, which one is better? Book or movie or go, book I'm, or TV show? I'm I touching guess. my nose. You go first. <laughs> okay, so I've already like figured out what I want to say. So this is really close for me because honestly, I had zero problems with the changes made in the show. Yeah. Zero. Like there was nothing that the show did where I was like, oh, they kind of like departed from the book in that way and I don't like it. Like every addition that they made, every slight change or like opening it up. I loved it, and I think it worked so well. So it's really hard for me to decide, but I'm going to say that the book is better because it's such an amazing book. And, you know, it was written in 1986, and here we are, you know, 30 years later, and it still resonates and it's still important. And Margaret Atwood has made this really great commentary on women's rights and kind of like how the world can change and trying to stay alive in this type of oppressive environment so in honor of the source material and without it the show would not be able to be as amazing as it is um, I'm going to say the book also because you know Margaret Atwood is was actually very heavily involved in the show yeah which is really cool Um, she you know was I think an executive producer and like helped with a lot of the stages of the writing and you know every change was sort of consulted with her so you know she's the master like (laughs) I got to give credit to where credit is due yeah (laughs) I am gonna have to say the show I think Uh, I loved the book yeah Uh, it was it's so beautifully written Mm -hmm. Uh, and I, I really enjoyed the story I just think that and the 
the show just expanded on the premise yeah. uh, so well, showing different experiences of different people. Yeah. And I know this is kind of a reversal of my normal complaint where mm-hmm. people are like, the book's better because there's more. Yeah. When that's kind of, you know, not really the point. Yeah. Um, But I, I just felt that there was such a, I, I don't know, I just felt such a connection to the show and the performances. Oh, and, yeah. And like you said, I almost have nothing to complain about this show. Yeah. Uh, my one one minor criticism that I could think of was that uh, the voiceover. Yeah. Uh, I really like it at the beginning. And then they kind of get away from it. Yeah, yeah. And then there's probably three episodes uh, where there's no voiceover until mm-hmm. the very end. And yeah. uh, then it was like a little, you know, uh, out of the blue, uh, out of the bl- yeah, yeah. A little strange, mm-hmm. but like, that's honestly, I, I don't know. I just thought the show was phenomenal. I can't even be mad at you for liking a show more because I love well, the that's show. Good. You know, I'm, I'm like, the <laughs> show is, this, it's really well done. And like I said, I had no problems with anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, and I, I mean, I'm naturally more of a visual yeah. person. So like the beautiful cinematography and the score and the mm-hmm. performances and everything was just, I don't know, translated so well into a visual storytelling that I, I don't know. It just, it's amazing. You it, guys it grabs me more have personally. have to watch it for sure. Mm-hmm. I know it's on Hulu and like, Nobody Only five people <laughs> in America have a Hulu account, but, but try to get it because it's well worth it. It is worth it. Let's uh, let's move on to the lightning round. Yes, there's probably so much for the lightning round, but we're going to try to pare it down. Yeah. So first thing I want to mention is all the like weird religious shit that they have to say oh in God. this story. It's so great. Like one of the lines that they're always saying to each other is praise be, praise be. <laughs> and then, yeah, when they see each other, they're like, uh, what, what is it? Um, but blessed be the fruit. May, may the Lord open. And it's like some weird sexual reference about their wombs being opened, but it's so bad. And they're always like under his eye, you know, it's a bunch of like religious nonsense, but it's so funny and I love it. Yeah. Um, there's this super awkward scene. Yeah. Where it's in, in the a, show. It's in a flashback to where um, Alfred and Luke have just met mm-hmm. and they're getting co- it's established they're getting coffee together and yeah offered knows that luke's married and it's this really strange thing where she's like have you told your wife that we are friends and getting coffee and he's like no, no. and she's and, like yeah why why it's we're and just- then they're basically like discussing how they would have an affair in theory <laughs> but also like they're talking about doing it now <laughs> i i appreciated the scene because a lot of times in movies when two people have an affair it's just like a stat like oh yeah by the way they're having an affair you find out but- yeah or they just like start kissing and then just like have sex and you're like okay yeah but uh, <laughs> but see- none of the tension leading up to it no no mm-hmm. which i thought was was good okay anyway it's lightning yeah. round we gotta okay. go quick oh oh next one <laughs> uh oh mutant syphilis oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> mutant syphilis <laughs> Yeah, in the book, mutant syphilis is listed as one of the reasons why people were infertile. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully that never happens because it sounds terrible. <laughs> if you thought syphilis was bad. <laughs> um, there's a great episode and kind of small subplot in the show yeah. where uh, the uh, the Waterfords are hosting. Is that That's their name, right? The yeah. Water- yeah. <laughs> okay. The They're, Commander and Serena Joy. The Commander and Serena Joy are hosting... Um, politicians from Mexico yeah. to like negotiate a trade deal. Yeah. And it's just a good subplot where the um, leader of the Mexican uh, d- 
delegation group is a woman yeah. mm-hmm. and she's kind of trying to like make heads or tails of like what the society on, is questioning how the women are in there and you know offered herself gets sort of interviewed and they're like do you like being a handmaid in a room full of like 10 commanders and she's like yeah it's great <laughs> there's like a 10 second like pause, pause where everyone's watching her and she's like yeah this is fine obviously <laughs> it's really great yeah I, lo- I love it but I mean you find out that like Mexico wants to trade for handmaids because they're also experiencing this infertility and it's like this terrible thing but it's also sort of opens up the world again where you're like what's going on in Mexico right now like they're obviously infertile too like their government is still standing but like what could happen there? Mm-hmm. You're gonna have to talk about the soul scrolls. Oh yeah, because oh, I don't even remember. Oh my god, quite. there's this part like, in weird. the book where the she and Offred and Offglen are like on their shopping walk, and they pass by this soul scroll office, and it's just a building that has these machines that read prayers out loud. And like the wives can pay to have prayers read. And so it's not like printing out prayers because they can't read, but you like pay a certain amount of money and you're like, and the soul scroll will just pray out loud. And so it's like prayers are being said. It's like a room full of fax machines yeah, that are just praying. Talking <laughs> and just being like, Blessed be the fruit. Blah blah blah. Blessed you know? be the fruit. Yeah, it's so funny and weird. Yeah. Um, there's just a great scene. It, this goes back to, uh, Offred's voiceover mm-hmm. and how like funny she could be at points, but like yeah. it was during the first ceremony or one of the ceremonies yeah. when the commander's just having sex, with having her. sex with her and she's just staring at the ceiling and her voiceover is just like, I wish she'd fucking hurry up already. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just this uncomfortable scene and yeah. it's really great. I think that just about does it for our lightning round. I had one more tiny thing. Okay, cool. Um, the book, it talks a lot about uh, Offred's mom. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Who the show doesn't explore at all for, I mean, I, I think it makes sense, but yeah. it's interesting because her mom was very much a uh, political activist. A in feminist. Terms of a yeah. feminist. Mm-hmm. And there's plenty of flashback scenes where she thinks back to... Um, things her mother said to her and kind of warnings that she didn't heed you know her mother being kind of like we had to fight for these rights and now you are just kind of like acting like they can never be taken away from you Mm -hmm. and it's like oh shit it comes to pass you know (laughs) and the fate of her mom is also unknown in the book she Mm -hmm. she thinks she's at a uh, at the colonies at the colonies yeah Mm -hmm. so so we've actually we're gonna do a bonus episode for you guys, mm-hmm. and it's gonna be about the Handmaid's Tale movie, which no one knows about because <laughs> it was probably terrible and made in 1990. <laughs> yeah, so we're gonna watch that and do a bonus episode. A bonus episode, uh, a little bit shorter because we're not gonna be comparing and contrasting as much. More yeah. just probably talking about how bad it's gonna just be. Just for the fun of it. So yeah, if you like donate a small amount or any amount to us, uh, you'll. We be able don't know to... yet. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little up in the air. But... Yeah, it, you'll be able to access our bonus episode. Yeah. So that's going to happen. So please, if you're listening on iTunes, or even if you're not, leave us a review on iTunes. Yeah. Uh, That really helps us with the iTunes ranking. Mm -hmm. Uh, Follow us on Twitter at Cover2Credits. That's the the number two. Mm -hmm. Uh, Find us on Facebook and like our page. Uh, If you have any suggestions... Tweet at us. Or mm-hmm. email us mm-hmm. at cover to credits pod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, give us suggestions. Let us know what you thought of The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. 
uh, all that, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, a special shout out to Actual Size and Bob Kiernan for providing us with our audio equipment. It's great as always. Yeah. This was a really fun episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. Yeah, it was great for us to get to talk about. So Mm -hmm. uh, we'll uh, see you next episode. See you next episode. Bye. Bye.